Welcome to Story Over Everything with Edward Atwell and Chaz Reed. What's going on, everybody? This is Aaron Edward Atwell here with Edward Atwell Films. You're listening to Story Over Everything. I'm here with my co-host, Chaz Reed. What's happening, man? Good evening, Lord Atwell. Oh, my God. It is a privilege to be on the podcast <laughs> with you. can't do this right now. <laughs> yet again, my good sir. How are you? You're tripping, man. <laughs> I, can't, I can't mess with the Lord, so <laughs> you got to stop. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, man. Just staying way too busy. Uh, I got too much stuff going on. But everybody keeps telling me that's a good problem to have, so I'm going to roll with it. I was wondering, is staying way too busy like a problem? I think, I think you'd rather be way too busy than way too bored, my good friend, Lord Atwell. Well, what I would like to do is be way too smart and still accept all this work and have someone else do it on my behalf. Hmm. So that's what I'm working on. Good answer. Good answer, my good sir. Are you looking for a job, Chaz? Am I what? I am. I said, are you looking for a job? Yeah. What? Who's hiring? <laughs> Walmart? Me. I thought that was implied by the conversation. Oh. No, not at all, good sir. <laughs> what, is, uh, what have you been up to, what? man? You got... Is this your uh, four-peat weekend? Like you got four weddings? That's next weekend. weekend. This is just regular Saturday, Sunday double. Um, That's not regular. Well, yeah, I guess. But um, this weekend, man, I get to work with this amazing, amazing, (laughs) one of the best um, videographers in the industry. Um, Guys, I'm working with Aaron, this Saturday. <laughs> You're so stupid right now. <laughs> I'm working with Aaron. Um, we have a massive, massive wedding. Um, the bride said the guest count was 300 and, uh, and some change, I believe. Um, it's in uh, two different locations, well, three different, excuse me, three different cities, um, all in one day. Um, someday I'll be working with Anthony. We're, we're back in um, Garner. That should be dope. Um, but next, you said three different cities. Yeah, it starts like the prep starts in one city, the ceremony is in another city, the reception is in another city. What three cities? Are you these? didn't look at the timeline, did you? I I glanced at the okay. Timeline. Well, don't glance. I, come I, I don't glance. It. Come uh, Friday <laughs> Friday night and Saturday morning, brother. <laughs> um, I forgot what city it starts in. But I believe the ceremony is in Greensboro, and yeah, the, that's the um, one that's near my house. yeah, and the the reception is in um, um, Cary. She was like, they Carrie? yeah, they booked no. the venue for the reception before they. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me interrupt. I know I interrupt too much, but you're saying that the ceremony is in Greensboro. Mm-hmm. Which will be the closest wedding I've ever shot to my house. Yep. And then the reception and, is in Cary, like past And then Raleigh? they take it all back from you. Yes, sir, Lord Atwell. I, There's no I am indeed devastated by this news, Lord Atwell. But what, what kind of party bus are they getting to go from? They're not. That's like over an hour. It's like an hour and a half drive. No, they're not. I, I, she was like, you know what? We just, we just fell in love with the venue and we didn't think anything about it. I forgot why they're getting married at this particular chapel. I think it was like where they met or something. It's really like, it's weird, man. It's weird. Dang, man. I just, I was thinking I was going to have like a lot of free time on Saturday because it's so close. I just, you know, be able to scoot back to the house and everything's good. But you're saying that, man, I'm up my prices. Yeah, Lord, I will. I'm sorry. I am indeed <laughs> devastated. So, dude, 
<clears throat> this all right. I'm not devastated. That just gives me time to listen to some podcasts and hang out. Um, the people that are coming with us are they riding with us or like how's that? Um, they're driving separately. I believe they're driving separately. Um, I don't really like people riding with me because now you have to stay with me the whole time. I'm not gonna leave yeah. early because you're with me, you know. So they're coming from um, different cities themselves, but one of them listened to the podcast. Paul, what's up? Um, the other is up, my Paul? my homie. He's a photographer. He does a lot of um, DC weddings, and I met his wife mm. one time. She was um, assisting him, and she was like, she wanted to do the the film part of it. And um, I told her when she whenever she's ready to hop on the bull and take that ride, she's more than welcome to come shadow me. <laughs> And she just said that to another man's wife. That doesn't seem right. Listen, Aaron, Lord Atwell, <laughs> with the most due respect, kind sir, I need you to snap sorry. out of it. Okay. Sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. Anyways. Um, uh, so, yeah. It should be pretty dope. Dude, that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. So, you know, I'm excited about this episode, Chaz. We have a, a special guest. Indeed we do. With us today. And so I don't know... You know, considering our audience, they're mostly beginners, um, don't know a lot of names in the industry yet. I doubt that most of them have heard of our special guest, but it is, you know, it is time that they do hear of him because, in my opinion, he's one of the best uh, at, you know, when you look at his footage, and I, I don't know where I saw his footage at the first time. I'm pretty sure it was in a Facebook group, mm -hmm. and I looked at it, and I was like, man, this is different. Like, there's something about this that's not the same as other people's footage. Like, I would say, I would venture to say it looks professional. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and when I say professional, not like he got paid to do this, but professional, like, this is a seasoned, like, expert. He knows what he's doing. You know, and that's, yeah, that's that's the way I felt when I saw Sorry. it. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce our special guest today, David Lee. Uh, what's the name of your company, David? Uh, it's just David Lee, but the Instagram handle is davidlee.co, as well as the URL, so it keeps it super easy. Sweet. Dude, well, welcome to the show. How are you today, man? Dude, I'm awesome, man. Thanks for having me on the show. It's uh, good to see on the Zoom conference call some diversity, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, we're, me and Chaz are all about diversity. We one time recorded a podcast. Have you ever listened to our podcast? Yeah, I have. Oh, sweet. So we one time, I don't know if you heard this episode, recorded a podcast in this small town at a place called Schoolies. We did oh, a God. live podcast. Okay. Um, and it was at this like really sketchy bar. Um, and so we're all about diversity and promoting, you know, different lifestyles. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's so funny. It's like a dive bar uh, kind of vibe or what? No, it was like, uh, what would you call it, Chaz? Uh, hole in the wall. He's shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> a hole in the hole wall. In it was wall. the kind of place that Chaz probably didn't want to walk into by itself. No, <laughs> that's <not>. fair. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but we did have a lot of fun with that. So, dude, thank you so much for coming on. Dude, thanks um, for having me. Yeah, dude, so I've got, I've got some questions for you, and, you know, hopefully you can enlighten us, because like I said, your work and your use of color, and really one of the things that stands out to me the most is your, your use of, like, exposure and light. Um, I noticed that, I don't know how you get these shots, but it doesn't seem like the light's behaving like my light behaves, <laughs> and so I, what I'm assuming is that, that in post, you're doing some more, you know, manipulation of the shot than I do um, to achieve that result, so I'm, I'm excited to learn more about it. Um, so without further ado, if you're cool, I'm going to go ahead and start asking you some questions. Let's do it, man. All right. So the, the first thing I think that anybody would need to know, um, and the topic of today's show is color grading. Uh, I'll put that in the title, of course, but anybody who's listening and wasn't sure, that's what it's about. Um, 
what is the first step? So I, what I'm assuming would be the first step was in camera, you need to have, you know, for whatever camera you're using, the optimal settings to achieve like the most gradable result in post. Is that correct? Uh, it's not actually. And actually, Whoa, strongly see, disagree with I'm that. already, I'm already <laughs> wrong. So tell, um, <laughs> enlighten us. Well, so like I, so long story short, me and me and Henry from Henry Weddings, now the brothers Martins, um, he basically, there is a reason why I'm telling the story. Uh, it, it, I think it brings context. So we started shooting weddings back in, oh my gosh, it was way too long, like 2015, maybe mm -hmm. no 2014, I think. It was before I was married, so yeah, 2014, I think. And we were shooting wow. on a, he was shooting on GH3s, and I was on a Nikon D610, mm. like the oh, wow. the crappiest of crap. Uh, like, uh, you know, th during that time, it was like, oh, man, the Lumos Codec looks incredible. Um, anyway, so that kind of like I was still shooting photos. And I think up until probably this year, my career's never really developed. But um, after that first wedding with Henry, uh, things snowballed for both of us. And uh, we both have a, a history of friendship. We've been friends for over 10 years to this day. Um, and so there's a lot of synergy that's naturally there. And we both agreed approaching weddings once this kind of snowballed for us. Um, to, to treat it as if we're both lead shooters. Um, and mm -hmm. I think that really changed the way uh, I shoot, the way I run my business, the way I train my shooters. Um, and when we switched to Sony, that was really what clicked it for us. Um, and it was A7S Mark I, so there was no small HD focuses. We had to mm -hmm. nail it in camera. Um, and so critical white balance is super important. And the reason why I don't agree with the profile thing is because um, you know, we bring up the whole Sony thing, which I feel like most people are shooting, uh, shooting 1080, 50 megs a second, 4208 bit. Um, mm -hmm. if you don't know what that is, Google it. I know you do, but I don't know for your listeners, <laughs> <laughs> Google it. It's a really long explanation. It's probably really unnecessary, but the whole point is that everything's pretty much baked in as it is. And so if you don't nail it in camera, there's only so much you can do in post to fix it. Um, right. and so for the last four years, Henry and I really grilled it really hard and like, he can even attest to we've had arguments on how to white balance a room. And we're talking like, you know, we would never do Kelvin, but we always did preset white balances and adjusted the hues from there. So it'd be like daylight B4, daylight G6 or whatever. And we'd have <laughs> arguments like, no, dude, it's G4. It's like, no, it's G2. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Keep it the same. <laughs> I go to G2. It doesn't matter. Um, but we realized like going into it that it was all about being the same and the thing was, is because we didn't have those monitors, we had to nail it in camera so that way we could see exactly what we were getting. There's no way to preload a LUT in the Sony A7Ss or even the A7Ss. Um, so critical white balance and exposure was everything. Um, this whole notion of having extra di dynamic range, um, it doesn't matter if your subject's 13 stops, you know, too dark or too bright. Like, you should never shoot something that's 13 stops out of range. Like, look for good light. Don't rely on your camera's dynamic range to fix it. And I mean, you know this too, mm -hmm. you're on black magic. That doesn't give you an excuse to look for bad light. You know, right. like it's, it's more <laughs> so just like, okay, cool. If I'm on a pinch, I can still change my white balance in post, but I digress. Mm -hmm. So for, for us, it was more of, okay, if, if we look at any footage at this point, I'm assuming most people are going to be shooting on anything that shoots rec 709. That's going to be four, two, zero, eight bit, maybe 10. Um, you only have so much you can finesse with your footage. And so why would I go out of my way to shoot in a picture profile that doesn't really give me extra data? Like that 50 megs of, mm -hmm. a megabit a second isn't giving me extra if I shoot log or if I shoot Cine 4 or whatever. It's still 50 megs a second. 
So the cruciality of how you expose and white balance, it still has to be there. With that being said, uh, I think it's important for people to go into it and, and experiment. Like those picture profiles to me are stylized looks. Um, each one can do a certain thing for you. I think you just have to go in and R&D and figure out like, okay, Cinefor does this. It doesn't really grade the way I think it should. You can either choose to keep going or change it. Like for us, we shot to before I switched to switch from Sony. We shot picture profile standard with no adjustments. Like pretty much reset the camera or take it out of the box, and that's how we shot it. Like there was no gimmick wow. onto how we set those profiles or anything. And the only thing I will say too is we use Zeiss glass, and I think that was a really big um, indicator for us as to why the stuff looked the way it did because. The Zeiss stuff has this micro contrast look that you just can't get in post, like at all. Um, mm -hmm. And so for us, it was a combination of just finding the right recipes, which was Sony stuff with Zeiss glass was the way to go, like for us. Um, so I, I know that's like a really loaded answer for your question, but I think it's important, <laughs> you know, to, to, to clarify that like these, these log picture profiles and all this stuff isn't a a way to do something or the right way to do something. It's just another way. And so right. going back to the whole thing of like, if, if you really want to get like the best result, ultimately what it boils down to is critical white balance and critical exposure and understanding what the latitude of your footage really is. Um, the picture profiles really don't matter at that point, you know, and, and there was a running joke, you know, uh, at least at the time, like a lot of, a lot of the stuff straight out of camera for us looked a lot better than most people's graded stuff. And that's not an arrogant statement. I think it was just like we just cared about color probably a little too much. Um, you know, there, there was there was a fine line for it. But at the same time, like we just really cared about skin tone and exposing for skin tone and making sure that we were within the boundaries and knowing that, OK, if we expose it this way, it's going to be this result. So we would either intentionally underexpose or intentionally overexpose or shoot right on, you know. And so that was kind yeah. of the way like we did it. And there was a lot of trial and error and, and mainly error. If I have to be honest with you, like there's <laughs> a lot of that. messing up and like, you know, that BS lighting and uh, rustic events. That's like beyond 2,500. And it's like, I can't get down to oh, 1800 Kelvin, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. That was my wedding last weekend. Like I'm at, I think I was, I think I was at 25. Maybe it could have been 23. I don't know. And I was like, this is still so hot. Like what's going on right now? <laughs> Yeah, like, what yeah. is the temperature of these lights? Like, six? I don't know. Yeah, no kidding, man. So, anyway, I apologize. That was a super long-winded answer, but I I hope that answers their questions. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, it's great. Long-winded is good. It takes up more time. Um, so, let me let me recap a little. You would say that no matter what profile you're shooting in, the, the key, which I, I think I agree here, would be getting as close in camera as you can to what you want. In post, 100%. 100%. Great. So I have a secondary question that was, wasn't on the show notes. Um, in my mind, the most critical thing is skin. Um, like when I see an image, skin, if it's off, it just feels weird to me. And then the second thing are skies. So what do you do like when you go about exposure? And I noticed, like, like I said, you know, you're a great colorist in my opinion. Um, when you're exposing for these things like skin and skies, like how do you, how do you balance what to select? Because I um, never like overexposed skies. I can't do that for myself. Yeah, no, and, and you can't because I think ultimately, like you know this, like if you overexpose your skies, you're 
you can just go ahead and say bye to this guy. It's like it's gone. Like there's mm-hmm. no coming back from it, especially if you do like a high noon, um, a high noon first look. Like you're pretty yeah. much screwed. <laughs> so you, mm-hmm. so at that point you have to figure out how am I going to roll off these highlights and posts. Um, but as far as like exposing for that stuff, I think it's like if you really want to get technical with it, I, I've always adhered to the eighty percent IRE scale. Um, mm-hmm. Not a hundred. Like I've always felt like eighty was a really good sweet spot of being like right on without being too dark. Because mm-hmm. especially with I feel like with most mirrorless cameras these days, um, none of them hold a lot of information in the highlights. Even though Sony does a pretty good job with it, um, you're better off being a little under um, and like pushing your midtones in post. You know, especially if you want to retain yeah. a little bit more detail in your highlights and like, but, but I mean, we're talking marginal exposures, like two thirds of a stop, a third of a stop. Like we're not talking like mm-hmm. a full stop. I think anything beyond that, like you're probably going to push your image too far. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And that's one thing that uh, kind of stands out to me is when you said the 80, 80% IRE, I know that like at, at 95 for me, like there's, there's kind of detail, but it starts to look odd. Like it's pinched and like. It's flaring oddly. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? No, a hundred percent. And I think when you do eighty percent, like you get rid of the um, and Chaz, like you probably understand this probably as more than most people, um, like black skin tone specifically. Um, when that shine hits, mm-hmm. it's like your IRE scale just jumps. Yep. And so, like for me, being at eighty percent, like I'm able to still maintain that shine, and still be able to manipulate it enough in post where I can still roll off that without losing, you know, that detail to some respect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's, there, there's a, there's a really good line of, uh, you know, on a, on a beginner standpoint, like the, one of the things I wish I knew was the 80% IRE rule. Like I think everything I read online was that 95 and I'm like, dude, 95 looks way too bright. Like it doesn't look right yeah. to me at all. Um, and so I, I mean, interesting. And, and I'll be biased too. Like Sony on black skin tone looks freaking incredible. Like, I don't know what it is with that pairing, but dude, anytime I shot a black wedding on Sony it looked insane. <laughs> like it was yeah. dope. Um, so like, the 80%, right yeah, right. So the 80% rule for me, like really went a long way, especially with like that dramatic difference in skin tone too. So let me, let me ask you a secondary question before we move on. This is the third um, secondary. So this is like, the, no, this, let me ask you a third and dairy question. There we go. My man. Um, <laughs> so if, if you hang out at an 80% IRE rule, I'm assuming the 80% would be the brightest thing in your frame correct no 80 percent is strictly for skin tone oh okay 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 yeah that was my next question is how are you exposing skin properly if the skies are at 80 yeah so it, it comes at a cost now. it comes at a cost um and i think the only time i'm ever wanting the sky in in the in the frame at that point is if i'm going to silhouette um otherwise it's not a huge priority um to get this the sky to look a certain way um I think you have to know when to cut your losses. And ultimately, I think it doesn't matter. Uh, people want to yeah. see them and their skin tone and not look like Oompa Loompas or, right. uh, you know, uh, The Shining where it's freaking blue. So, you know, there's <laughs> there's a middle ground. Yeah. And it's, it's all about, I think, you know, we were talking before the podcast, the diminishing returns. Like, you have to know when is it, you know, what is it worth to me to get this or that in the shot? Right. Um, and, and that's something you just have to decide for yourself, I think. Yep. Um, Chaz, what do you think about all that, man? I'm with you, brother. You with me? Yeah, I'm rolling. I feel like you're always with me. Are we always together? In spirit, my man. In spirit, Lord Atwell. In spirit, <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> you can't. You gotta stop. <laughs> um, so, David, that's I gotta 
the next question um, that I wanted to ask, and I noticed in your in your films, I would consider your look stylized. Um, it's not so you know you see a lot of people who shoot like Canon, and it's very like vibrant life look. Like everything looks mostly the same as normal life, but just way too saturated. Sure. Um, and then when I see yours, it's like the skin is the proper tone, but everything else looks like your own style. Would you agree with that? Uh, I'm, I'm glad you can say that about my work. I, I think, like, I'll be totally honest, like, the last wedding that I really loved that I color graded was, and I think it's a film that's really launched my career, was this blogger named Danny and Jordan. And it was, it was my, my last funny win that I was really proud of. And then I switched to 4K60, and I mm-hmm. didn't know what I was doing. I was like, oh, my gosh, I should go back. <laughs> 4K60 was not worth it. This is a terrible idea. Um, and I, But I think, like, the Iceland film that I shot back in – last month in September, uh, something clicked. Uh, and I think that's the video you may have saw recently too, that probably stood out. Cause mm-hmm. it was actually one of my favorite grades too. Um, yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking of. And, uh, you know, I, I think for me it's, it, it is, I, I did want to be stylized, but I also didn't want to be trendy with it in the sense of like, I've, I, I don't really know at this point, I try not to watch wedding films these days, but I feel like Same. wedding films, the grading has kind of become like, this desaturated, warm, golden hour look everywhere, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, and not that I have a problem with it, but I think for me, it was like, I needed a way to separate myself. And so I started looking to other cinema as sources of inspiration. Um, and one thing that like, it's funny too, like I, I love Henry to death. And the reason why I bring him up, cause we, we've grown together immensely in both like as people, as videographers, as creatives and as colorists. Um, you know, we both have very different approaches to color and like what we are trying to achieve, which for me, um, I'm trying to keep my whole look to be to somewhat lack of a better way of saying it cohesive, um, in the sense Mm -hmm. that like nothing really pops, like the whole image from left to right, from top to bottom feels the same thematic look versus with Mm -hmm. Henry's stuff. He's trying to make sure that this, the person is popping away from the background um, so it's like two t- polar opposites ways of grading. Um, and we've had the discussion too. Like we both respect each other as, as colorists and as people and, and all that. But it's like funny cause we both shot weddings for, I mean, over 100 weddings together. Um, and we both have different ways of approaching color. And so, uh, I think for us that we both agreed, like we wanted something to be able to create that was timeless. Um, mm-hmm. but still like have skin tone be a certain way. So for me, uh, it was when I was at a coffee shop. And I looked down, I got a shot of espresso and it was, there, there's this filmy color of brown that's on top of any shot, a, a good shot of espresso. Like if you go to Starbucks, you will not see right. this. Um, but a good <laughs> shot of espresso, there's a, a thing called crema, like C-R-E-M-A, and you can Google it. It has this most beautiful brown, like orangey color to it. Like, and it can be light or dark, but I remember seeing that and be like, that's what I want my skin tone to look like. Like it has this milky wow. color to it. Um, and it's weird that I would get that inspiration from food or, you know, in this case, a drink. But um, ever since that, that was kind of what launched this whole journey of like trying to find not the not the perfect color, but the color that to me made me feel like, OK, like this is mine. Like this is what I'm trying to achieve. And I think when you go into color in that respect, um, no one's ever going to question how it looks when, when you, when you do it that way. Cause it feels different. Right. 
um, like Fiore films, you know, she grades super warm and I've seen people try to do it, but it's not the same. Like I look at her work and I don't think, oh, that white balance is really warm. I think, oh, that looks cool. And it's, it's like that, that defining yeah. line of like becoming an amateur to a professional, to an, to an artist in your craft where you, where people are no longer second guessing the way it looks, but they're just appreciating it, respecting it for what it is. Um, and then you have the normal trolls too on you know the wedding forms or whatever they're like oh it doesn't look right blah 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 it's like who cares I mean ultimately like at this yeah. point especially with this Iceland film like I've looked back at it probably forty times now at this point between when I released it to now and I'm still like no I like the way the color looks like I would change a few things but I think the overall feel of it is exactly what I'm trying to um, to convey and what I'm trying to make it feel like in regards to something that makes me. Uh, feel like I'm able to do something with color that uh, makes sense to me, you know, which is like a, right. a fake deep quote, I guess you could say, <laughs> but you know, so yeah. So elaborating a little more, um, when you chose your color palette, you know, based off of crema uh, or the, you know, the, the espresso shot, yeah. uh, which that Iceland film nails that color, by the way, it, it's oh, really thanks, exactly man. the same. <laughs> um, <laughs> So when you're when you're doing that, like, what what comes into account when you're deciding what color? You know, I've seen some people shoot, you know, super bright and airy. I've seen some people shoot super dark, and you know, you got like a high key or a low key. And then yeah. I've seen people, uh, you know, shoot where everything's cool. I've seen sh people shoot where everything's warm. And sometimes you have people like they don't know what they're doing and it's magenta. Right. So like, what what do you do? Like, how do you decide what you want your colors to look like? You know, uh, like how do you find your style? Do you have any, any inspiration you can share on that? Um, I, I think part of it is, one, um, not making something that it's not. So let's say, like, I, let's, I shot a wedding at the White Sparrow here in Dallas. Um, and it's, it's basically a no shadow, like, there's no shadow there at all. Like, every single wall in that room is white. And it's just one wow. huge fill light, which I hate, um, personally. Um, and so... I think where one, uh, it, and it, it kind of ties in hand in hand with like exposure, right? Like color and exposure. Um, don't go into something like if you're a dark and moody, if you want to call yourself dark and moody, which I wouldn't recommend doing, um, don't freak out if you're going to go walk into a room that's completely white. Um, I think the, the best thing you can do as, as an artist, as a creative, as a professional is to call it what it is. Um, and so mm -hmm. for me, like uh, the wedding at the White Sparrow, uh, the girl, the, the bride that was there, she is on the paler side, but I think there is a fine line between looking tan and becoming an Oompa Loompa. Like there's a really right. fine line between that. And, 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 the, and you can tell when your whites are no longer white. And so I think for me, it was more of like, I still want there to be a level of realism that doesn't feel like overly saturated or overly poppy but at the same time too um not so desaturated that they look lifeless there, there's a fine line between being true to yourself and also being true to your to the day um and like what you're hired to do um and so f back to the whole color thing of like finding that inspiration like i think you kind of have to stick to your guns in regards to like um, how do you want your whites? How do you want your skin tone? How do you want everything to feel? Um, and, and those could be just color or it could be adjectives or it could be anything. Um, 
and so to this white sparrow wedding, I I kind of realized like going into it, the the levels of exposure of that film, which isn't out yet, um, are going to be a little different than what I'm used to putting out. Like it's not as dramatic, um, but I think that's ultimately okay um, because the day of the day was pretty vibrant, but it, I can still make it my own. Um, and still make it unique to the couple into the location into the light without being dishonest. Um, and I, yeah. I, I know that's kind of a stretch from what you initially asked me, which is like, how do you draw the inspiration? But I think you do have to draw <laughs> your inspiration from the day of the wedding and knowing that you're like, don't go out of your way to manipulate it, to maintain, um, a facaded look when really like the whole, th- like you can still shoot bright, like in a bright and airy room and still maintain the look that you're trying to achieve. Um, because like if you try to crush your blocks when everything you have is fill light, it's not going to work. But the thing is, is like your general color scheme and the way you approach, um, the wedding day is still going to be the same. It's just the lighting's going to be a little different. And so I've kind of learned to just let it go. Um, but still stick to my guns with, um, why bouncing properly in camera, being true to mm-hmm. uh, the greens that are there, like <laughs> my Iceland greens from before and after, are not even remotely accurate, like at all. <laughs> like they're way more green than they are brown in my film. Um, and I was, I was kind of like, man, this is kind of weird. But then I was like, ah, it's cool. It matches, like if it, it feels right. <laughs> so I was like, whatever. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, the these, yeah, I think, I don't know if you've ran into this situation where the photographer is bright and airy and you're somewhere in the middle or maybe you're dark and moody, you know? And it's strange. Yeah, I'm definitely dark and moody. Cause, Cause it's strange <laughs> when like, you know, it's like, why are they hiring me when they clearly like this bright look? Um, mm-hmm. And I've kind of like, I was like, man, it's who cares? Like just shoot the way you normally shoot and make it look the way you would shoot it. Like, and, it, and you're going to end up with a way banger product than you would have if you tried to try to finesse the light into a way that fits your quote unquote aesthetic you know, mm-hmm. and like just being true to the day and to the couple. And like, I, f- I feel like that makes the experience and the creative process of coloring so much easier, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so the funny thing is we're talking about like consistency. Um, Chaz, his videos have some of the most consistent color that maybe I've ever seen. Like he seems to be able to nail the same color, you know, that he wants in, pretty much every video he does and mine they vary like i just my mood changes you know yeah and it's like one day i want to be this one day i want to be that and you know whatever mood i'm in on your wedding and however i read the emotions like i'm liable to change everything um but that's just like my personal thing and Chaz, he's like he seems like he's really good at i mean he's also you know more seasoned than i am and you know a little more uh i don't know maybe down to earth is the right word I'm just a little finicky. I just like, um, so <clears throat> when I first got started, I tried to do like the, I would, the, the stylized type look. Like this is, like, you know, certain, certain artists, you can see like a clip or a steal and be like, yo, this is probably so-and-so. This is probably mm-hmm. so-and-so. I wish I was to that point, but I, I like, I like, I like real colors. Like I don't. I don't tend to mess with anything. I like it for what it was right then, you know? And, um, I think it really, I think it really depends on the person. Um, you know, I look at a lot of people, I'm like, man, that looks really good. It looks really good. And I know that's not the real color that it was, but 
I think it just really depends on what you like, you know, and I just always like real colors. <laughs> like, that's really it. Yeah, I don't, I don't like real colors at all. Um, just, just not my vibe. I really hate green, to be specific. Uh, well, I don't, you know, David, I don't know about in, in Dallas. I've never spent any time there. Um, but in North Carolina, where we're at, like, the grass tends to be this real limey color. Uh, and I hate, I hate more than anything lime green. So I'm all about making it look, you know, either more on the brown side of green or more on the blue side of green, but never that lime in the middle, like, bah, I just hate it. Um, so this, this kind of branches into my next question for you. Uh, so let's say, let's step back a little bit and let's not just think weddings, okay? Um, but let's say I've got this footage uh, and, you know, we got to also realize like at a wedding, you don't have set design, you know, so I can't control like what everyone's wearing or where the light's coming from, that kind of thing. Um, so it, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a bit of a mix. But let's say that I wanted to go, you know, like a Michael Bay teal and orange look, like, if that's what I decided, based on this couple and this this wedding, how do you go about achieving things like that? Do I just like you know use the offset feature and try to push it towards one color and hope it works right? Do I adjust my shadows? Like, you know, where does that process start for someone like you? I I think it's a big, uh, like it's a big seesaw to some level. Like if you push here, you got to pull here. Mm -hmm. um, and I th and if, like for example, like if you want to do the two orange thing, like and 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 I use LUTs and I think there's a strategic way to do it and there's a really stupid way to do it. Um, and uh, I shouldn't say stupid. That's a really bad way to say it. There's a really uninformed way of doing, there, there's a really uninformed way of using the like stupid better. And I think the biggest, yeah. So I think like I, I use let's all the time and I use it to figure out like how far my footage can push or like which way it might go. Um, and like that, the whole, the whole thing with like the, I call it the M31 light, which if you don't know what that is, it's teal orange. Uh, yeah, I've got I would definitely, I would definitely like slap that on, but I think, you know, out the gate though, that your skin tone, like your mid tones are going to be a lot more orange and your highlights are going to be really freaking teal. Um, and so I think there's like that, that fine line of like, okay, this is just too much and dialing it back, mm -hmm. um, and still keeping that realism in it. You know, like I think you can be stylized and still be real. The, the thing that I think most cinematographers don't think about is that you have to know how to lie. And not and, and it is in the editing side, but it's also in the color side to some level in the sense that you have to fool the viewer into thinking that the way you have it graded is the way it's supposed to look. Mm -hmm. And it's not, something that, it's not something that you can... Uh, you can throw LUTs on top of it's it's about intentionality and I think you have to go into it knowing that it feels XYZ and that you're executing every single color throughout the whole film the same way and it goes back to the thing of consistency because if there's any kind of uh, lingering drag of wrong color even if it's like the hue isn't quite the same people will feel it they may not be able to on a technical standpoint pinpoint it out but they can definitely feel it and they'd be like, right. "Ooh, that that didn't feel right," um, and and I think that goes back to the whole thing of, uh, as filmmakers, like I think shooting and editing is one half and colors the other half, um, and if we're on the topic of delivering something that's going to be timeless, uh, people will always remember the way it made them feel, and that includes color. Like we're we're a super visual uh, society now, and I think uh, being able to do something that doesn't look like a vlog or look like some Instagram video 
especially right. for someone's wedding film, will really go a long way. So I think you really have to, at the end of it, ask yourself, like, why are you even doing that stylized look? You know, are you doing it because it's in right now or is it because it's easy or because, you know, of whatever? Like, well, it could be any reason, but I think you do have to ask yourself at the end of it, like, why am I grading it like this and have an answer for it? And if yeah. you don't, you should probably go back and redo it. Yeah, that's that's super key. And that's one thing that I preach constantly, and I know people get really tired of me saying this, uh, but intentionality, uh, you know, doing things on purpose and consistency are absolutely key. So, you know, if on purpose I want to make it look this way, then that's great. But don't, I always like recommend, don't try to accidentally shoot good footage. Like, yeah. that's just, it doesn't turn out as good as if you made, like, meant to shoot good footage. Um, so, you know, if you want to go for, like, a certain look, like, mean to do it and do it with purpose, um, and you'll be much likely to, or much more likely to achieve a good result. Um, but, Chaz, I got a question for you. I don't know this. Sorry, uh, do you use LUTs? I don't. All of my settings are um, in camera. Like, when he was talking about pretty much shooting it the way you want it from the camera, that's the way that I've done mm -hmm. it. I've, um, I've tweaked a lot of the, the, the RGBs and all that stuff in the camera. Um, the the blacks and things like that is all tweaked. Yeah, I remember I remember that because uh, sorry I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just don't want to forget the first wedding I shot with you. I think you wanted me to hold your camera. You were doing something like maybe setting up a light mm -hmm. or something, and I, I was looking through it and I was like, "What in the world has he got going on here?" Yeah. Like it was like super custom. Yeah, like <laughs> like his his setup. Like that day we shot somewhere and you you remembered your your settings on your camera and you like changed it. For your colors, I was like, man, I wish I mm -hmm. could do that. But I've changed so much on the inside of my cameras that when I was, because um, all of my cameras are set up the same with the same color. So pretty much, and I think what came with that is a lot of me, when I outsourced my weddings, I know yeah. one time I've outsourced the wedding that was shot in um, like a flat profile and I got it back mm -hmm. in the flat profile. <laughs> and so I realized if I'm I'm already going out on a limb and giving somebody this footage to create, you know, this film with, I can at least take this one piece of that brain part away from them. I know that if yeah. they have this footage, I know it's going to look good because the, the color is baked into it. Like you said, like, you're not going to do anything. I'm not going to overexpose anything. I'm going to expose it the way that I want to. My skin colors are the way I want them. My, my whites are the way I want them. So when I give you all these pieces and you put it together, I don't have any complaints. So, yeah, and man. it's just, like you said, it comes that's, with time, man. You just, and, and it's your look. Like, that's it. No, that's something that I didn't even think about uh, because, you know, I don't, I don't outsource any of my, my wedding edits. But for anyone listening who's, you know, thinking that, that avenue is what they want to do. That's something to keep in mind. Um, and I, I also don't use LUTs. Uh, maybe I should start because <laughs> so I can get as good as David. Um, but, you know, I just got the Black Magic, uh, which I'm loving, by the way. It's, it's been fantastic. And really everything is, you know, switching from Sony to Black Magic, it's been a, a bit of adjustment. But everything is where my mind thinks it should be. So, right. like, e each button and each setting is like, I bet it would be here. And that's where it's been. Um, yeah. And the, the footage has been just beautiful. I don't know if it's, you know, their color science or what, but it's certainly different than Sony. Um, so, but with that, that was saying that, you know, I don't use LUTs in, in my latest film. Um, 
you know, I just kind of graded it all by hand uh, using my scopes and my curves and, you know, kind of balancing that way. But I do think it's it's cool that you can use LUTs and then, you know, based on that LUT, kind of like dial what you want into that. Is that right? But I, yeah, I think it's also too like LUTs can be a starting point and you don't have to necessarily stick to them, but it's also like, oh, I can see where the potential of this might go. You know, like it, it gives you a broader perspective. So I think I always compare myself to food, right? Um, <laughs> it's like, and, and I love steak, like steak's my, my jam. And so it would be very dumb of me to try to season steak without salt and pepper because I just don't want to use it, mm-hmm. you know, because everyone uses salt and pepper or whatever, um, which I would equate to as Lutz. Like, right. how are you, like, you better have one good freaking piece of meat, you know, <laughs> if you're going to not use salt and pepper um and so for me though it's like it's not just about using salt and pepper it's how much of it which Mm -hmm. what the ratios are at what is the combination of it and then from there going even further and being like okay this is how i'm going to manipulate it even more and like i've gone to as far as like um bringing my footage from rec 709 back to log and then changing it to a different kind of rec 709 you know like there's so many different ways to implement LUTs in a way that's going to give you a different result. Um, But, but it is a lot of trial and error. Like it is like thinking outside the box and being really unconventional with it, especially since I, I've shot now on Sony black magic, Fuji and Lumix um, and trying to get those to color match, which I'm sure some people out there are like, Oh my God, that sounds like a nightmare. (laughs) It's actually not, (laughs) it's it's really not that bad. um, If you know what you want to go for, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, so it doesn't make it as hard. Like I think the color balancing thing is important and you have to know how to see your greens and magentas really well. But um, I think LUTs do a pretty good job of, of, of transferring that, that color code into a way that's a little closer. For sure, man. Um, Let me interject so, too real quick. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead, dude. Go ahead. So to me, a LUT is like what you do to your footage already, Aaron. You just haven't seen the right LUT. You know, a lot is going to already just, you know, do the curves and all that stuff. And I think the biggest mistake people make with LUTs is not manipulating the LUT at all. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because I I remember at one point, I would say about three years ago, and I forgot what LUT pack it was. But you could legit, like, go and look at different people's stuff and be like, oh, yeah, that's that LUT. I already know. Like, you could just tell by looking at it what LUT it was. I don't think you want to be that person, but people look at LUTs as like the short way to the finish line, but it's just like, I would say it's not a, a, a short way to the finish line. I would say it's just like um, if you're racing cars and you get like two car lengths in front of, from the start, you know what I'm saying? Throwing that LUT up there yeah. and then you tweak whatever yeah. you need to tweak or, or vice versa. Maybe you, maybe you need to tweak um, prior to, you know, do your color correction Prior to you throwing the lead up there or whatever, whatever folks your your boat, you just gotta really figure out what um what ingredients work the best for the steak. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is like you have to know how to pre-season and season after. Yeah. And I think a lot of people neglect oh, that too. Oh, it's like they'll deep with they'll, the food methodologies. <laughs> dude, they do, man. It's true. But like, you know, and, and like I mean, I will throw shade all day if you eat your steak well done with pepper and steak after the fact. Like you should not be doing that. Yeah, but, you should just not eat steak. Um yeah <laughs> right just don't um but you know i think you have to know to like um if you're going to use a lut then you have to know what the lut requires for you in regards to how it's how what it needs before it gets baked in there mm-hmm. and then what you what you want to do afterwards 
And like, that's a really big key thing is like, people don't realize like the order of how you do things matters. Like mm -hmm. if you, if you decide to color after the LUT, it's going to look very different than if you color before in regards to white balance. Yeah. So to any, even in exposure, especially like huge difference. If you try to pull down your highlights after your LUT versus po like pre yeah. like mm -hmm. massive difference. So my, uh, <clears throat> my procedure is usually this. Um, and I, I'm also the kind of guy that I do each clip individually. I don't add like a mass correction on anything. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if that's that common. Um, no. But so what I do is, you know, I pull in my clip um, and I adjust for my exposure. And then once my exposure adjusted, I do my white balance. Uh, and then only after that do I add, a, you know, another node for a grade. Um, I never, I never grade first. Like I don't try to adjust colors until my white balance and my exposure is where I want. Is that the same procedure you would recommend or what? Yeah, pretty much. I think, I think once you have an idea of like, and, and that goes back to the thing of like, if you, if you are very, very gung ho and like adamant about making sure your white balance and exposure is correct, then it makes copying and pasting that stuff a lot easier. Um, I think if you, if you can get to a point where, um, you know, I, I think what the way I've done it now is I have my, I have an adjustment layer for my stylized look mm -hmm. and I go into every clip individually and adjust white balance accordingly. Yeah. Um, but that's also because my, my look is pretty much set. So I don't have to do a lot. You know, it's like I'm based, all I'm doing is basically tweaking the, the, the footage, white balance and exposure pre style, um, to, to make sure that it, it's working into that scenario. Yeah. That's, that's one of the perks um, when you use, Premiere compared to Final Cut. I haven't been able. I haven't seen anybody that does the, like an adjustment. I think you. I might. You might can. I'm not sure. I'm a I'm a user. Oh yeah. I use adjustment. Yeah, you can layers. do. You can yeah. do adjustment layers in Final Cut. I didn't know that. That's that take you how long as much yeah. as I edited. I don't. <laughs> but um. Come on, Chaz. Yeah, that, and and one thing, <clears throat> like you said, one thing with, and I'm not I'm not faulting you or anything, Aaron, by all means. But one thing when you edit each clip it's easier for you to lose consistently the full weight throughout the whole thing, unless you're cons always going back, always going back, always going back. Mm -hmm. And only said it because depending on the room you're at, depending on your, your the, the, the ambient lighting in your room and whatever you're doing, things change. So your eyes adjust to that change. So after a while, you know, this might've looked this way in the beginning when you were doing it at 12 o'clock. And now it's 8 p.m. and you're at the end of it. Things have changed in your environment, so you know it's it's you can it, you can pull it off. You know what I'm saying? But it's just a lot easier when it's that whole that layer that's very consistent without you having to be that main judge. You know, for the whole film on the editing and stuff. Yeah. No, I feel that. I feel that. I use my histogram pretty carefully, so I think I think it works for me. Um, but I can see the, you know, validities to each method. Mm -hmm. um, but David, I have a, a side question for you. So this is a completely unrelated topic. And since we're getting on this food thing, usually when we have a special oh, guest, yeah. we do discuss food for whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> we, we and the audience, you know, have, I've actually got several text messages right now, uh, live phone calls, um, wanting to know what kind of pizza do you like? And number two, how do you eat your pizza? Oh man, with my hands, but I think it's like a I'm all supreme. Like supreme okay, pizza supreme. is my jam. So you like you like everything see. on it. Do you fold or are you just like straight up holding it like normal? Uh, it depends. If it's, like it, the, it, if it's like the ones with the really like 
loose, uh, you know, crust where it's like really flimsy, then I have to do knife and fork. Like I just can't get my hands mm-hmm. dirty with that. Mm-hmm. But like pizza, Booyah. definitely eating it straight up. Booyah. Booyah. No. Booyah. Man, you know what's bad, Chaz? I went into this Booyah. like nine months ago <laughs> thinking like I ate pizza normal. And now no one has agreed with me. Booyah. <laughs> I, I have never touched pizza with a fork and or a knife. Um, that's just crazy to me. Booyah. But, I mean, you know, my way's not Amen. always the right way. Try I'm, it, brother. I'm try it, brother. That. I'm not trying that. <laughs> I'd kick myself out of my house if I put a knife and a fork to pizza. Oh, gosh. Um, it's terrible. No, so, you know, as we get closer to the end of the episode, David, I got two more, uh, two more questions. Um, that one is, is really geared towards color. Um, and one kind of is, so I'll just ask them the, the first one, um, when, you know, when you're shooting intentionally, you know, when I mean to get good footage, what is something that, is there anything I should say that you should stay away from or anything that you should definitely do? Does that make sense? What I'm asking? I think so. I, um, I always kill the lights in every room that I walk into like immediately. Um, but I think the manner and how you do it though is a really big proponent on, on whether or not you succeed in that um going into it and just start shutting off the lights without telling people is kind of weird <laughs> right <laughs> um but you know just tell them like hey guys i just need to look at the light is it cool if i turn it off for a second um there's a chance that we may shoot with the lights off but i just want to see and make sure we get the best possible light for you um and then just start killing the lights that way um i think the biggest way to succeed though um is really just communicating with the people that are in the room um, that are going to be affected by the light and making sure that you're educating them on why you're doing it. Um, and it goes back to the whole thing of like, I think selling yourself and different differentiating yourself is really important. And the way you do it is by explaining people your process and your intention behind it. Um, and I think that that floats into every facet of your business from the edit side to the uh, client experience side. And I think as people who are too caught up with the, creative edits and creative color and all that stuff and creative shots, um, we can often lose sight of um, letting your client be part of that experience and being part of the engagement of uh, being excited for their wedding, but also getting them excited to be a part of your process um, and that they play a significant role in the end product. Dude, that makes good sense. And I'm glad I'm not the only one that turns lights off um, because I feel like there's nothing... Like for me anyway, like with the way I shoot, nothing can kill my footage faster than an outside window and an inside light that's not the same temperature. For sure, yeah. And it's it just creates like there's no going back because you can't fix both. Yeah, like, 100%. at least at least I can. I'm not you know I'm not in Hollywood. There's nothing I can do to fix them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Chaz, do you turn your lights off, man? Yeah, I try to. Um, I, I think the biggest thing I hate is when the makeup artist is doing makeup in the middle of the room. And the hairdresser yeah. is by the window. Like, that bothers me so yeah. bad, man. <laughs> the wrong person. I'm just like, what in the world? And, yeah, like, switch it and up. And they over there with that stupid circle fluorescent light thing, man. And I'm just like, yo. <laughs> yeah, dude. So then you... That ring light is Yeah, you just gotta... You always have to do the fake makeup shots. And, and some of them just don't make it look real. And it's just like, golly, why don't you... I wish I was there when y'all started this. I would have told you to sit over here. <laughs> Dude, Chaz, I can't, I can't focus because it looks like you're around a campfire right now. I know, man. That white balance, man. <laughs> what are you? What's going on? Where did you hey, move from? Again, man. I, we started this podcast when the sun was up, and the temperature was right, and the sun went down. 
And now the temperature's wrong. Man. Is the sun down already? Jeez. Yeah. I'm in a closed room. I, I don't have windows in here, so I don't know what it's, it's like. Down. Um, so, all right, David, that, that does make good sense. Um, and I like the advice you gave, and I think that's going to be key. You know, especially for somebody beginning, like, I wonder how many people would think, you know, this is the first wedding I've ever shot. Like, I'm, I'm not really a professional. Like, should I go in here and turn these lights out? No, I, no one's thinking of that. I, in fact, yeah. I would say people probably like, hey, can we turn these lights on? Because it's dark in here. Um, yeah. Instead of using that light and shaping it creatively, you know, that right. beautiful natural light, they're going to, like, turn these lights on. I hate inside lights. If you have a light bulb, I just want to smash it. I hate light bulbs. <laughs> um, so then, then my next question, uh, and the last question I have for you, unless there's something else, you know, you want to go into. Um, I always like to recommend people don't be afraid. Um, and one of the things that I always recommend is don't be afraid to use what I call dynamic exposure, um, which, which would classify as like a silhouette shot. Um, you know, like we're not, not everything needs to be exposed perfectly in every scene. You know, you can use several clips and make a scene because we're doing video. Uh, that tells yeah. different parts of this story. Like, what did the sky look like? What do the people look like? What did the makeup look like? You know, there's you can do different things. Right. So I always say, don't be afraid to, you know, take some risk with your exposure and try new things. In, in the color game, what's something that you should not be afraid to try? Lutz. <laughs> but uh, no, I think... Uh, Jeez, so, man. Uh, Come on. All right, this uh, one's over. A big, Thanks for having us, A big, inter- no, <laughs> a, a, big uh, a big integral part of my process is using film convert. And this is like a, I, I won't tell you the exact recipe because there is, I don't just use film cover, but, but it is a really integral part of my process. Um, yeah, I but I think convert. the biggest thing with film convert that people don't think of is trying other camera profiles. Mm. Yep. Like for example, um, I'm a huge fan of, of RE cameras. Like Alexa's have a certain thing sure. and I'm not going to dive too far into this, but here's the reason why Ari's look different. Um, Ari started off as a scanning company, and I don't know if you know this. I don't want to be preaching to the choir at this point. But Ari started off as a scanning company, so they know film really well. The difference mm-hmm. between Ari cameras and sensors versus Sony's and everything else on the market is that when luminance and saturation are discussed in regards to how it handles in post, Ari's handle the way film handles. Meaning, when you increase luminance in color on, on Ari sensors, you do not lose hue. Or saturation, versus wow. if you do it on a Sony or anything else like that, you'll it notice changes. quickly the hue changes very quickly. It, it just changes, yeah, it just changes. Ari's don't do that; they don't drift the way digital sensors normally do, and that's why they look incredible. And there's wow. a, I think it's about seventy three percent, is where it like caps out, and then it just stays the same. And the the colors don't get brighter; it's just the luminance gets brighter. Yeah, dude, and I'm so, glad you said that. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I have to. No, you're good. Um, it's kind of my thing. Uh, It's my show. Calm down, guys. It always always (laughs) goes. Try to stop. So one thing that I noticed when I shot Sony, particularly, so I started with the A7, or, you know, like the the A7S, the Mark I. Um, And, you know, moving on from there, and I I really enjoy an underexposed image uh, when, you know, call me crazy, I just like it. Um, When it's done my way, I just really enjoy it, and my customers like it, too. But one thing I noticed that with Sony, like as soon as you start underexposing, things start getting orange quickly. Uh, and so I'm glad you said that, and it, it makes some good sense. No, for sure. And and I think like with and and I say all that to say like what I've done is uh, try to reverse engineer the look. 
Um, and so what I've done is like I'll, I'll I shoot Rec 709 as I said earlier, standard picture profile, and I would load up a the Ari Alexa um, R 709 look, and I would try to reverse engineer everything on the Sony, like so reduce contrast, saturation, and whatever until I could get a usable image. And for me, there was a lot of failure, and I don't use the Ari Alexa one personally anymore. Um, but I, but it's still something that I'm like, huh, I'm not really feeling these colors, but I'm definitely going to try a different profile and see what works. Um, and so for me, like that was a huge, um, like milestone for me of like realizing, oh, the one thing that, and I, and I think I mentioned it in one of the forums in the Facebook group too, was like, uh, the, the, the stuff that people say you should stick to isn't something you should stick to. It's just, how do you read the information? And is it doing what you want it to do? Like, is it telling you what you're seeing, right? Um, and that's all it is. Like, the, the software is never going to tell you you're wrong. It's only going to tell you what's there. And ultimately, as long as what's there is what you want it to be, then it is right, you know? Like, there's no there's no wrong. If, if, you, if you go into filmmaking thinking that there's a wrong, you've already put yourself in a box. Dude, that's amazing that you said that because <clears throat> when you're being intentional... There is no wrong. Like, that's what I meant to do. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So, you know, as, as we come to the conclusion of the show, uh, it seems like you may have lost your AirPods. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to add? You know, anything you want to plug or what do you got? Um, I think for, for anyone, it's like, it, I think it's okay to emulate for a while. I think it's okay to imitate what you see and try to you know look like someone else for a little bit um but i think you have to go into it with the intention of figuring out what that process looks like like it's it's one thing to like mcdonald's chicken nuggets and sweet and sour sauce it's another thing to figure out how to make the sauce and how to make it better for you you know like that's a really big thing i think it's really easy to settle it's really easy to to buy the stuff and move on um but I, I think it takes someone who cares a little more to want to dissect it and want to like break it apart to make it something something else. And and you may not know what that is, but I think you know when you stumble upon it, you know. And I think you have to embrace the process of failing a lot, um, and being able to know that like there is going to be some victory at some point down the line. But that victory line is always going to shift. Man. That's a, a beautiful statement. Yeah, I really like that. Well, dude, so this is the part of the show, Chaz, where this is what people come for. Or no, let me let me rephrase that. Oh, they God. come, you know, for the information, but they stay for a certain reason, and that reason is the nugget of the day. Chaz, it's time. Nugget of the day. The nugget of the day, man. The nugget of the day. The nugget of the day. My goodness. Chaz, what you got for us, man? What's the nugget of the day? Today? Um, Do you have a nugget since, of the day? Since we're talking about colors, man, I think, and you you know I always talk <laughs> about being in the mud and getting out the mud. I believe that LUTs are a part of being in the mud for you to understand film more, um, especially in the beginning. Like I said, the nugget of the day would probably have to be, it's okay to use LUTs, just tweak the LUTs. Um, when you slap on a LUT and it's like, oh man, this looks really good, change it up a little bit and make it look a little better. Don't don't just be satisfied with the the way that it looks off rip. And um, 
you know, if you suck at coloring, yo, LUTs are the way to go. Like I, like I said, I used LUTs in the beginning. I, I remember when I first got my um, A7S II and I shot on like S-Log 2 or 3 or something. And I got the footage and I was like, I tried to grade it by myself. And I was like, yo, this is terrible. Like, it's, I can't do anything <laughs> with this. It's trash. And then I threw a LUT on it and it brung everything. And I was like, yo, how did it do that? Like, what did, what did it know that I didn't know? And um, so it's just, you know, try LUTs, guys. Try switch it up a little bit. Um, something you just said, um, if, you, if you try to look like somebody, I think that's a good way to go in the beginning, too. Because I feel like it's kind of like um, over time you'll learn your own style from that, you know. Like... Um, I, I guess I guess I could say if 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 Michael Jordan was to be your your basketball coach, you know, you know, you learn from Michael Jordan. You want to play like Michael Jordan, blah blah blah. But you'll never be Michael Jordan. But you'll develop a style that's of your own. But you know, you'll still be shooting ball. So you know, just give it some time. Stick in the mud a little bit, grind it out. You'll be all right. You know, maybe one day you'll shoot like uh, Lord Atwell. Gosh, dude, you got to stop. Um, so, one last question. Wrap up the whole thing. Do either of you guys have a specific LUT pack that you would recommend or somewhere you would say, like, hey, try these out if you're struggling? i got to pull up Final Cut. Oh, man. Uh, you know, actually, uh, I stumbled upon a Color Cove, like, literally three weeks ago. Um, their stuff's actually been really awesome, and I think it's by far one of the closest... Um, film emulations that I've used. And that's actually, that's a great point to what I said earlier. Uh, Color Cove is only log. Um, it's a really, they're not that expensive, but I think it's important if you can try to figure out how to reverse engineer it um, to make your Rec 709 footage look into log and then use those LUTs. Um, it's, it's really good practice, but you might actually find something there too. And the thing is too, is with that process, because you're using the LUTs in a very unconventional way, it's very rare that someone's going to be able to replicate what you're doing. Yeah. Have you ever... Um David, this quick question, and then we've got to split because my dinner is done. Um, have you ever come into the situation where, like, uh, Impulse and, like, the Osiris LUTs and stuff, have you ever used one of those, like, converting Rec. 709 to log LUTs for, like, a film look? Uh, I have, but I ended up just doing it manually because I just, for me, it's like I just know what I want it to do. Like, I, I, know, I, know, what's, I know what's happening in the footage that's making it too much. So, for me, doing it manually is, is the way to do it. Yeah, that makes good sense to me. Well, dude, this is the end of the show. Um, really want to thank you for coming on uh, and sharing some good insight. Uh, look forward to seeing what you have to do in the future. Um, I mean, I feel like this has been one of the better podcasts because this is one of those topics that people really want to know about, but they don't really know where to start, you know, because there's tons of like how-tos in wedding films and in videography in general. Um, but when you get to color grading, it's kind of like uh, there's almost no resources that at least I would consider like a, you know, top of the line. You have like color, color grading central, Denver Riddle, and those guys, um, which they do some good work. But it just seems like it's such like an individual process. Um, and beginners don't know, like, who do I trust? Who know, like, should I trust these people? Because my footage isn't looking like theirs now. Do I trust these people? So I feel like this is kind of the, the stuff that people need to hear about. 
Um, so, dude, thank you so much for coming on and being willing to, you know, share some of your professional insight. Dude, thanks for having me on. Seriously. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to do another one. Uh, you know, once I get to your level of covering, we'll, <laughs> we can kind of do like a, a whatever, dude. <laughs> uh, dude, Chaz, you got anything for the audience, man? Uh, Lord Atwell, I have nothing. This has been a splendid podcast, I must say, and it has been a pleasure and an honor to serve with you two gentlemen and scholars during this battle. You, know, you already you're starting you're starting a new thing, Chaz. Every time you start something new, people are like, "Oh, we need to hear more of Chaz's weird Viking accent." So like just to know like this is going to have to be a thing you do now. Lord Atwell, it will be my pleasure, sir. Good sir. <laughs> you got to stop. <laughs> well, dudes, I've got nothing else for the audience. Uh, as always, you know, give us a a like, a rating, whatever, you know, podcast people do on whatever platform you listen to. We're everywhere you can be heard. We appreciate all the support. We appreciate all the listeners, all the audience, uh, you know, all the questions that everybody sends in. Let us know if there's anything you want to hear and how you want to hear it, anything you want to see, anybody you want to hear from, and we'll do our best to get them on the show. Uh, we love you guys, and as always... Peace out from Lord Atwell and search as read. You gotta stop, <laughs> you gotta stop <laughs>